Okay, good morning, everyone. I was just busy looking at the snow falling quite hard now out the window. Um, and we'll try not to be too long so you can get out there and enjoy it. I know some uh, particular people that are keen to use the sledges that they bought three years ago, which haven't been used yet. Um, well, welcome again to week three of the Reset series. That's right, Tom. Um, and I hope you uh, will join us on Tuesday night, like Tom has mentioned about the deeper dive. We're going to look at mission and evangelism, how we can share our faith. Uh, a really good part of a conversation that we're going to have together. And uh, also, if you've got children or young people, just wanted to remind you again that, that before the service starts on a Sunday morning at 9.30, there's a kids service on Zoom that Angie sets up and facilitates. Uh, just really encourage you, if you haven't got your kids to go along to that yet, to, to join in with that. And also at 6.30 every Sunday evening, uh, Ignite happens. Um, yeah, I would just encourage you to get your teenagers along. If you've got year sevens or year eights that haven't maybe been along yet, just encourage them to go along. It's, uh, I know we're, we're desperate to try and get our kids away from screens most of the time, but actually this would be a really good way for them to engage with other people and have some really good, healthy input into their lives. So 6.30 every Sunday from 6.30 to 8.30. Is that right? Yep, I'm right about it. I just want to remind you about that to get your young people along to that. So we're in week three of the reset. Uh, we're just looking back at last week, Jeeves really helpfully uh, took us through the empower uh, topic where we looked at worship, the presence of God, the gifts and the fruit of the Holy Spirit. We heard from Jeeves about having this amazing pleasure of knowing the joy of God's presence, about God actively seeking to be with us and we needing to actively seek to be after the Holy Spirit and that we get to be called children of God. Uh, he gave that great example, didn't he, of that large bottle of water He's saying how much we can be filled rather than that little plastic beaker. Uh, just reminding me, I just needed to go to the toilet if I drank that much water. That is just a ridiculous sized bottle of water to drink. And worship. He talked about worship, how it's an integral part of our walk. Uh, are you active in worship? He challenged us. He said, are you a worshipper? Uh, do you take time out to worship? And they looked at the gifts and the fruit of the Holy Spirit, uh, how the, the gifts were for the wider body uh, and for the kingdom and the fruits were for our, our bodies and the kingdom, which was really helpful. And any gifts that we have are graciously given to us to serve the wider body and others. Now, this week we are looking at mission. Uh, having a complete kingdom mission mindset is really important value of who we are as Hope Church. And we're going to look at four topics this week of being actively committed to evangelism, love for the poor, connection to the wider church, and where vision and mission is respected. And the first one we want to look at is love for the poor, a place where we love and care for the poor, the broken and the needy, a place where we give time and money to those who are poor economically aspirationally, physically, relationally, and spiritually, as is appropriate. A place that recognises that God calls us to love the poor in particular. And this morning, we're going to hear from two people who we really love dearly, who have a real heart 
for the poor as well. And they're going to help us understand that. And that is Jeremy and Laura Webb. They're just going to talk through and then I'll come back to you after that. Hello, everyone at Hope Church Seven Oaks. Uh, we're Jeremy and Laura. Um, for the last 15 years, we have uh, been led by Jesus to uh, spend our lives loving and serving the poor, uh, the poorest of the poor. Um, and uh, during that time, Jesus has taken us on, taken us on a journey of, uh, of learning a few things we just want to share with you right now. In uh, Matthew 25, there's the story that we know, and uh, the sheep and the goats, where the and Jesus calls before him the nations and he separates them into the sheep and the goats. And he says, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you. I was hungry and you fed me. Um, and, and the righteous say, when, when did that happen? I don't remember feeding you, Jesus. Like, when did that ever happen? And he says, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters, you did for me. And whether that's feeding the hungry, whether that's clothing the naked, whether that's caring for the sick or visiting the prisoner, we get to minister directly to Jesus. And I think what an incredible way of looking at our lives that we have, Jesus has made an opportunity for us to show him how much we love him. It's not about um, just looking after the poor and the broken, but it is actually our way of worshipping him, of saying, you fed me, you clothed me, you freed me, you visited me when I was lost, and therefore I get the opportunity to do it back to Jesus, not just to these people for his sake, but actually ministering to him through the poor. And I think... What we've come to desire more than anything is to be where Jesus is and to get to spend time with him. And if we look through the stories of his life, he hung out with the poor. That's where he chose to be. He didn't he didn't live in rich palaces. He didn't live with um, great grandeur, but he chose to slum it with the poor. And so if we want to find him and spend time with him, then a good place to start looking for him is amongst the poor. Yeah, Jesus, um, he, he said, my, my mission is to preach good news to the poor. Um, and we're told in Psalm 41 and various other places that, uh, that those who, who have a, a, an eye for the poor, those who lift up the poor, those they, those ones are blessed, the, the Lord will deliver them. And then there's Isaiah 58, where we have this um, incredible passage where God is almost rebuking his people for spending so much time on their fasting and their religious uh, ideas, when actually what he wants them to do is to, is to be with the poor and mm -hmm. to be raising up the weak and the lowly. And we are in an upside down kingdom where the things of the world that look impressive are not the things that impress uh, impress God. Um, and we have, we have we, over the years where we've been working amongst the poor, and Jesus has told us, what have you learned from them? And at first we were like, well, there's nothing to learn from, the, from them. They, you know, they're not like, they haven't got what they should have in life. But actually we, we, aren't, we, aren't, to, we aren't to raise them up and change their situation and make them like us we're actually to get down on our knees in the dirt and to mm -hmm. learn what they know 
just the way Jesus has told us to become like little children, I think it's important for us to, to learn what it's like to be poor. The poor know what it's like to be hungry. They know what it is to be content in every situation. They, they know how to humble themselves because they, they are humbled by their circumstances and they're not embarrassed to ask and to seek and to knock when they need something. Um, and so for us, the, the, the revelation has been that this isn't um, something that we do to others because it makes our, us more godly or makes us uh, look better in the, God's eyes. No, this is a place where he is, where he teaches us and he shapes us and he brings us to holiness. Well, well really helpful um, video there from Jeremy and Laura, just talking about the poor and just some verses there that they'd quoted, Matthew 25, Isaiah 58 and Psalm 41. And just wanted to quote Jeremy, uh, what he said at the end, that this being, loving the poor isn't something that we do to others to make us more godly or make us better in God's eyes. This is the place where he is and he teaches us, shapes us and brings us in to holiness. This is a really important value of who we are as a church, to love and serve the poor. And we need to be praying and seeking God about how we do that in our own context, we support Jeremy and Laura, uh, have done now for many years in what they do, and we uh, give out as a church to uh, the wider family of new ground churches that plant in many other nations as well, and we give to other things as well, which uh, help support the poor. But we need to also be praying, how can we as individuals and as a church be doing it in our own context? Uh, the next one is that we are actively committed to evangelism. And it's a church where we are actively committed to giving away the good news about Jesus Christ and not holding it to ourselves. A church that is motivated by the purpose and passion of mission. This is, of course, one of my passions that we, what we are created and saved for. We are saved for mission as well. And when Jesus ascended into heaven, he didn't say to his disciples, um, go, therefore, and be safe and comfortable and be comfortable until um, you meet me again. No, that's not what he said. In the Great Commission, he said this on Matthew 28. The Great Commission, the famous verse that we, we all know so well. It says, when the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came to and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And there's lots that we could look at in this. Even how we make disciples, not just converts that say a prayer, that we teach them all that he had um, uh, taught us. He's instructed us to go. Go and make disciples. Tell the world about him. He says, I've done this. I, I, I've paid the price for sin and death on the cross. 
I've conquered sin and death. All authority has been given to me. Now go and tell the world. We're called to be disciples and make disciples. In um, Acts 1, verse 8, it says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, like Jesus was telling us last week, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. It fits in with two of the, great, the two great commandments, to love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbour. In Matthew 10, Jesus is sending out his disciples. He says, the, he the kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, now freely give. And we can talk about lots of good ways how we can reach people. We could give advice on how we share our faith. But I think the two things we should focus on first is knowing Christ and being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's intrinsically linked with what Jesus looked at last week. Because when you know him, when you really know him, know his power, know his love, what he has achieved on the cross for you, when you realise the state you were in, you may have grown up in a Christian home and, and think, well, you know, I had a fairly good life. My parents took me to church. No, you were in a dead state before you accepted Christ in your life and started to follow him. Ephesians 2.1 says, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Verse 4, but God, rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us. Nothing you did, he did it all. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, has made us alive together in Christ. By grace, by grace, you have been saved. When you let that truth get into your heart, you truly understand that truth, let it affect your very being, you will want to go and tell people the good news about your saviour. We must let this shape our lives and shape our church. There's um, a South African um, New Frontiers leader who is now in America, uh, PJ Smythe, talks about the importance of why the church should be shaped by mission. And uh, there's this rather lengthy quote that I'm going to read to you. He says this, he says, if you strip the Great Commission out of the local church, then a local church is merely a barge tied up to a pier. It's a nice barge with two main living areas. One is a hospital where the leaders care for the saints. And the other is a classroom where the leaders teach the saints. They teach the saints to keep their cabins tidy and perform various tasks on the barge. Everyone seems well cared for and well taught, but the barge stays tied up to the pier and it never goes anywhere and it never makes any waves. Conversely, when you inject the Great Commission into a local church, then it becomes a battleship on the high seas. It also has a hospital area below deck where injured saints are cared for. And there is also a classroom where the saints are equipped, but those in the hospital recuperate to the background throb of propellers driving the ship forward and they sleep with a gun under their pillow. Those in the classroom are taught to the sound of the guns on the deck blasting away at the kingdom of darkness. And when class ends, they're back on deck. The context of care and training is mission. The theatre is war. The trajectory is forward. 
when churches locate their calling within the Great Commission, they become explosive, dangerous communities as far as the kingdom of darkness is concerned. Warrior families dedicated to Jesus, devoted to the local church, and champions of gospel advance in the neighborhoods and the nations. Wow, that's quite a quote. This is how the church should be shaped by the Great Commission. We mustn't let this season put us off either. The season that we're in of this pandemic, 2 Timothy 4 says, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. I don't know what season we're in right now. But we need to take this as a corporate and personal responsibility that as a church, we need to be preaching the gospel and personally, we need to be sharing that faith as well. We're called to bear fruit as disciples, to love people and win people for Christ. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. You're appointed to go and bear fruit. How do we bear fruit? What's the best way? Be attached to the vine. John 15, four to five says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Struggling to share your faith, struggling for passion, for mission. Well, you need to abide in the vine. Again, it's linked to what Jeeves was talking about last week. Are you a worshipper? Because when you're drawn into worship, you get to see who he is. And you think, I want to do this. I want to share him. He says, unless you abide in me, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Abide in him, being rooted in the word of God. It's all the stuff we've been looking at over the last few weeks. Seeking him in prayer. Listening to what he says. Having personal and corporate worship. Coming to prayer meetings, hearing what God's doing, joining in with the people of God, praying for revival, praying for kingdom advance. When you abide in him, your house, your life is firmly built on the rock of Christ. Know that you're loved unconditionally. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. You've been justified, bought with a price, adopted into his family. You've got direct access. You've been redeemed and set free from sin and death. Why would you not want to go and share that? And you realize you're in a relationship with God. When you realize who it is that you're in a relationship with, who God is and what he's done with you, that life isn't about you in the first place. It's so freeing and releasing. We can get so caught up in what is going on with us. We can read things like Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness. Oh, it's, so, it's so calming and refreshing, isn't it? He, he loves me. Oh, he's restoring me. He's leading me beside, beside still waters. But it with, finishes with, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He's saved you and he's prepared good works 
in advance for you to do. When you realize that life isn't about you, you've been bought at a price. It's not about you. There's something far greater going on than what you can see, than what's going on. Then you can breathe. It's about him. That's why I really encourage people to read the, um, this Bible, read scripture app, because it can draw you in. You can read all of scripture in a year and you can see the big story of God, that you are part of something bigger than just what's happening this year right now. You've been drawn into all those promises from thousands of years. When you know it's about him, you can be free from fear. Fear of failure, fear of rejection when sharing your faith. I bet you've been rejected if you've tried to share your faith. But when we know that our lives are, li are living for his glory, when you're all sold out for mission, when it doesn't matter if we're rejected, because we are re when we're rejected, he's rejected. And we are rejected because he was rejected. And when we are rejected, you are blessed. Going back to Luke, which we will go back to Luke eventually this year. Luke 6, 22 to 23 says, blessed are you when people hate you and revile you, when they exclude you, when they spurn your name as evil on the account of the Son of Man. Rejoice and leap for joy. You know, you can leap for joy when you're rejected. For behold, your reward is great in heaven. So, for so their fathers did to the prophets. So when you've been rejected or you've missed an opportunity, it doesn't mean you're a failure. It means you've had a failure. If you're on mission, you will also find that your joy is complete. When Jesus was praying for his disciples in John 17, he prayed that their joy would be complete. Being on mission brings joy. Sharing Jesus brings joy. When you see people visibly change, like we see on Alpha, when you see people change from years of addiction, years of patterns of behavior, it is amazing. We're created for mission. As children, we want to go on mission. We want to be firemen, astronauts, explorers. Children don't say, when I grow up, I want to work in an office. I want to be an accountant. Children don't say that. Sorry, all the, my accountant friends. <laughs> we want to save the world. We want to be superheroes. We need accountants, praise God. Praise I need accountants. It's because when we get involved, we get this cause, a cause higher than our own, our own personal needs, we find purpose and meaning. That's why people on mission are joyful. That's why there's, if there's no higher cause than my own personal happiness, it destroys mission. If we just live for ourselves, we don't make a difference. How can we? We don't have anything to die for. People don't understand our lives that we're on mission. Why would we move to Bury St Edmunds and then back again? Why would we spend a whole day at church? Why would we spend uh, days outside in the cold handing out things to people? Because we're on mission. Why would we talk to our kids all the time about this stuff? Because we're on mission. 
They don't understand why we want to keep teaching our kids about this. Because we're on mission. Indoctrination starts at breakfast in our house. My kids know we're on mission. Other people don't understand if they don't have anything worth dying for. If your joy is focused on anything other than Jesus, it is temporary and will disappoint. If your joy is focused on your husband, your wife, your job, career, your house, it will disappoint. See, the irony is if we exaggerate our significance, we lose our significance. But being committed to sharing our faith, we join mission. The first thing I would say, really, when talking about your faith is what the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 1. He says, when I came to you, brothers, I didn't come proclaiming to you the test. I, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not plausible in words of wisdom, but in the demonstration of spirit and power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. We don't have to have it all together to share our faith, to share what we have. The other side of this lockdown, this pandemic, We don't know what it's going to look like. We just need to be praying that there will be a great harvest. There will be a great awakening and we can play our part in that. And this Tuesday night, well, there's going to be a conversation where we can be talking together about how we can do that, how we can share our faith. We can share stories of what's worked and what hasn't over the years going to look at a little model about how we can share our faith, just drawing three little circles on a page about the creation, the fall, and redemption. I've just seen people use it and how it's worked uh, in leading people to Christ. Just different ideas how we can work together in sharing our faith. I just encourage you to join us on Tuesday night at eight o'clock. It's a conversation. It's not going to just be me talking to you about how you do evangelism, but it's going to be a conversation where we learn together on this journey. I really hope to see you there. Really be praying that the other side of this pandemic and during this pandemic, in season and out season, out of season, we can be reaching those for Christ. And part of this amazing mission is that we have a connection to the wider church. And that is uh, another one of our values this morning. I've missed a couple of my slides here, but connection to the wider church. And there's just uh, a video that we're going to watch right now where it talks about the new ground family of churches and new frontiers. And Dave Holden's going to start that. And then I'll see you on the other side. Church, we want to be a community that connects with the wider church, both in the UK and overseas. 
We do not want to be insular, but playing our part in the Great Commission globally, seeing churches planted across the world and seeing other communities transformed by the love of Jesus. Hi everyone. I believe we're at a significant moment as a family of churches, a moment where we feel a shift in momentum, a time to mobilize, to increase, with a vision to see thousands of unchurched people transformed by the gospel. We believe that God is calling each of us to play our part in his story. Practically, this vision stretches us again, calls us to go with fresh faith and with generous hearts. God is already doing amazing things amongst us, and we know that he has much more to do through us as we partner together. Here is what it means to be a part of New Ground. A massive thank you to everyone in New Ground for all your support and friendship. Uh, we here in Kingschurch, Seaford, have recently bought this beautiful old 100-year-old Methodist building. Uh, thanks to everyone for your prayers and encouragement. It's great being part of a family of churches that feels more like a group of friends together on a mission. La France est un terrain de mission gigantesque, mais dans un pays marqué par la sécularisation et l'athéisme, New Ground est en train de faire une différence. On est en train d'implanter des nouvelles églises, en train de fortifier des églises existantes. On est en train de former plein de leaders. On se rend compte que de plus en plus, on a même une influence au-delà de New Ground dans le monde francophone. With so much need in Crawley, the input and encouragement from those within New Ground really helped us move forward in serving our community. Developing links with mental health professionals, joining the parish nursing network, our parent and toddler ministry, serving the over 65s, and our town centre, charity shop and cafe. We get to see the gospel at work in our community. When uh, Hank and Renee visit us or other people visit us, they encourage us, they challenge us, they help us keep the course of our mission and uh, they're just a, a great gift to us every time they visit. For the past six years I've had the privilege of serving our emerging generation, our emerging leaders through Impact Training. Impact is a discipleship gap year that, that aims to help people 18 plus put godly values in their life and to learn to live as disciples for, of Jesus in a society like this, the one that we're in. We are truly blessed by the New Ground team. Dale Barlow, for example, has visited us a couple of times to encourage us as a church, but also to bring prophetic insight into our team. This helps us and the churches that have been planted out in the last several years to reach our cities and our nations. The New Ground Academy has been so helpful for me just to set apart time at each month to really meet with God, to, to learn more about Him, to learn more about myself. I found the um, breakout sessions so helpful to meet with people right across New Ground to talk about um, how these teachings practically apply to our lives and what we're doing in the church. We love how God is adding individuals and couples from across New Ground to join us on this Berlin adventure. Just such a privilege to be part of a family, to have people support and input into what it is God's called us to do here in Berlin.
Hi, my name is Ilir. I'm the pastor of the Elbasan Christian Fellowship. I'm married and father of three daughters. When we started the church, we were just a few people. But now uh, we are gathering together during the Sundays uh, over the uh, hundred, including here and the children. And during special days here may come 200, 250 for Christmas, for example, working with uh, street children, we are working with uh, blind people, we are working in a prison. We have a ministry for, for children, for youth, for teenagers. We have ministry for elderly people. So in our heart is to have a place where the community, community can come in.
there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. All the angels were standing round the throne and round the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen.
Well, just really powerful time, little time of worship there, which I meant to mention at the beginning of the video, which I forgot. But I just love that powerful scripture read at the beginning of that worship of the, in Revelation 7, with every nation gathered around the throne of God. And the, the verse at the beginning of the video from uh, the New Frontiers part, from Ephesians 3.10, so that the church, through the church, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. That's why we're part of a family of churches, something bigger than ourselves, part of a global church planting family that is seeking to reach every nation, every tribe and tongue around the globe. That's why we as a church as well support Jeremy and Laura, who are currently locked up in the uh, UK in the Northeast, but are looking to go, go to Kenya, where they can reach unreached people groups, where we support Pete and Sarah Benton in Berlin, looking to, they've planted already into Berlin, and looking to reach um, a really uh, secular city in Europe. That is who we are part of as Hope Church. That is why we want connection with the wider church and part of that great commission to go and make disciples of all nations. And it, I don't know about you, but it really excites me to know that we are part of something bigger than just our local town, uh, local church, uh, and what we're doing around here, but we're part of something bigger. And just lastly, the last um, value is where the vision and mission is respected a group of people that's committed to the vision and mission of the church who do not people do not seek to merely do their own thing but recognize they're part of the body of christ the church where we're all in unity looking to reach the town where we don't just have lots of people coming in wanting to do various different things we want to support people in their callings of course but actually where we're looking to serve the, the kingdom serve the church respect what the, the leaders believe the vision and mission to be as we look to reach out. And church will look different, I expect, the other side of this pandemic. As we look to uh, grow as a church, as we look to see many people saved and plant more congregations and service, start more services. And we just need to see and ask God, where do you fit in? Where can you serve in the church? And that draws us to the end of our service today. Again, we're going to, don't forget, you don't need to uh, rush off. Normally there's about 30 people that will log off at the end of the service. Um, but just encourage you, why don't you join us for this little Q&A session at the end. As the recording finishes, you can join in and ask questions. And there's a few questions that we will ask as well. Um, just to update as well, Gemma texted me in between um, the video times to say about Ian Lane. She said that she just got through to the ward and he's doing okay. Uh, he only just got his belongings that she dropped off the other day, but he just got them just in time for church and he uh, got lots of messages that were dropped off to him now and he was reading this morning. So Ian is uh, stable, he's doing okay, but we need to just keep praying for him. So that's good news there. But I'm just going to end in praying. Uh, for all of us to help us, God, to enable us, to fill us with his spirit, to help us realize who he is and what he's done for us, um, to help us share that good news uh, that we have. 
So, Father, I want to thank you that you sent your son. Thank you, Jesus, that you were obedient to death, even death on the cross. And thank you that you send your spirit to come and fill us and enable us to go and share the good news of Jesus, who has come to pay the price for sin. And you conquered sin and death forever. Lord, enable us, Lord, in this season and the next. Lord, as we pray for a great awakening, as we pray for revival, enable us, empower us and embolden us to share the gospel of good news in Jesus' name. Amen.